Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. This week, we're recommending That's When You Get a Dog podcast with Rene Richardson, which is honestly not about dogs. Each episode hears stories from women over 30. Episode one looks at platonic parenting and features Lauren, who decided to have a child with a friend. Don't miss the bonus debrief episode where Rene is joined by Sophie to dig a little deeper. That's When You Get a Dog is available on all good podcast apps. Just search the name and subscribe. And you can follow at Get a Dog Pod on Twitter. Hello. I'm Susie Coulson. Today we hear Hina's story. Hina is of Pakistani descent, but she was brought up in the UK and always expected she would meet someone through the usual means. This is exactly what happened. She met a guy at university, they fell in love and got married. But when it all went wrong, the second time she took a completely different route, one she never would have expected. She went back to her culture and had an arranged marriage with a man she had barely met in Pakistan. Claire went to meet Hina and her husband, Cam, at their home on the outskirts of London. What I wanted to know was how did Hina overcome her reservations about arranged marriages to the point of actually having one? To start to understand this, we really have to look carefully at her first marriage and perhaps the most significant part of marriage number one was the end of it. Here is Hina explaining in a really harsh but clever way she found out that it was all over. It started with a call from her husband's office. I'd actually been asked by his boss to pick up um, some paperwork from the office and I found that really strange because um, he had been away most of the time. He was away for large chunks of time um, because of the work that he did um, overseas. And so I, th- I, I literally said, well, can it just not stay there until he gets back? And they said, oh, they're moving desks around and so they don't want to leave it in case there's something of value or something sensitive. I, again, being that naive, and I really, I really was naive, um, I didn't think anything of it, of it at all and I went along and took took the box and came back and that's when I discovered they had left open literally for me to see all the evidence the letters the everything this box contained blatant evidence 
of an affair that her husband had been having. I realised quite quickly that they had intentionally done this, which is a brilliant thing in a way because they had felt quite, they must have felt quite grieved or upset to see what was going on and me being as sort of wet behind the ears as I was. Um, and so, um, and so that's when when I discovered it, and then it, it it came immediately to an end. One of the principles, if you like, that I'd been brought up with is that the sanctity of marriage, the, how precious and how protected it must be. I can tell Hina is nervous to talk of her first husband. It was obviously a time she really doesn't relish recalling. I met my first husband at university and um, it was a very innocent sort of meeting and um, getting together and he knew um, that I was fairly sort of... I, he knew I was a Muslim and he knew that um, the, the way I went, that we went about things. Um, but he was very keen to immediately um, enter into a marriage. Um, and uh, at that time, it, was, it seemed like... Um, a very good idea because uh, my my um, my family were, hadn't really thought about or made any plans or arrangements for a marriage, and my mother and father were quite pleased. He did convert to become a Muslim, despite not having an awful lot else in common. They got married in a chateau in France. It's a very beautiful event. Um, I think it was the, the you know a white wedding, but it was with the local mayor's office, I believe. Um, and so yes, it was all it was all very beautiful. We had the whole family together. It wasn't very very big. It wasn't a huge wedding. Hina was brought up in a small town called Andover in the south of England, where there wasn't an established Muslim community. So her parents did not know of a wealth of potential suitors for her, and she never felt like an arranged marriage was an option. So this wedding had been the perfect solution. I was very young, very inexperienced and a little bit well, extremely naive. It's that sort of naivety, I think, the sort of like young adult naivety that, that you know, you can be sort of um, slightly blown away quite easily. It didn't take very much <laughs> for me to be somewhat blown away. I think in, in, in reality, if I'm honest about it, that I probably would never, have, knowing what I know now and being who I am now, I would never have gone ahead with it but you know it seemed very shiny and very exciting at the time so I thought well why not mum agrees <laughs> dad's happy so I didn't really think too hard I wondered if Hina knew from the moment she found out about her husband's infidelity that it would be the end of her marriage I felt that that was a, a, a total break there was never going to be a discussion after that about repairing it and um, there was great endeavours on his part, um, but I didn't entertain it even, even, um, even a little bit. I had literally been this completely, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I want to say a word, but I don't think it's appropriate, and I shouldn't say that, should I? Carry on, carry on. Um, so I, I had been a completely inexperienced and simple um young girl and um so for me the contravention the the act was so severe that there was never going to be um any recovery of it it was a total break in the trust and the confidence of the relationship there was no there was no trust ever to be regained after that i am slightly struggling to relate to this bit as i've never really felt very simple or pure but when you have a life planned and then your husband turns out not to be anything like you thought he was and i could say a word for him here but I won't. I get that. Well, I think that box and the act by um, 
my husband's employers was a, a fundamental turning point. And it isn't something at the time or even a few years after I could ever speak about. And I'm only able to speak about it because I'm in such a different place now. It was very painful. I also felt my parents were very sad. They'd been very disappointed. Uh, they didn't like, I mean, it wasn't as if we were part of a community, but they didn't like the idea or the feel of knowing that a daughter of theirs had become, you know, um, had, had ended up being divorced. But I did. And so I threw myself into work. I absolutely threw myself into work. And it was a great comfort. You know, I think underlying it all, there was a very deep core of loneliness. And I think that it's probably the case that a lot of people identify with that. People can, on the surface, seem incredibly engaged and interested and busy and occupied, but underneath they can be very, very lonely. And, you know, when you went to bed at night, when you were alone on the weekends or went to see mum and dad or whatever, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty alone. I wondered whether after a time Hina was ready to meet someone new. I did, I did. I was absolutely open to the possibility or the idea of meeting someone. I don't know whether my past experience coloured my ability to be open to it. Even when there were possibilities, I tended to be closed to them. Then both Hina's brother and sister got married, and attention slightly turned to Hina. Her career was going from strength to strength, and Hina had a new job and book to write. And with these great prospects up ahead, she decided to take a break and head over to Pakistan to record her grandmother's stories on tape so she could translate them and catch up with her family over there. One of her grandmother's stories was about her arranged marriage. Uh, she didn't actually meet him, but she saw him by standing on the, an upturned bucket and um, peeking out of a high window. And in those days, that was completely the norm. You know, the arrangement was made and, you know, she was lucky to have got a glimpse. Hina and her mother left a wet England to arrive in the capital of Pakistan, Lahore. I was met with that intense heat and the, 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 such, a, such a totally different atmosphere. People milling around, activity in a way that is so very different uh, from a typical Western airport. And, and when, when I actually met with my family, there's, there's greetings and love that you feel, such an intensity of love, such an intensity of, of warmth. Uh, you have garlands over your neck. They treat you like royalty, literally. I wonder if this warmth from her family and the holiday feeling allowed Hina to let go a little bit and feel happy to re-engage with her culture. Just retelling this story, she seems so much happier already. A few days into the visit, and Hina had been recording some of her grandmother's stories onto tape, when Hina sensed her grandmother had secondary plans for her visit. And the first of the suitors was surreptitiously introduced. It sort of slightly changed and you had a kind of feeling... Yes. There was an inkling of something else going on. Oh, this was so much fun. It was just so funny. I um, had become acutely aware of shifts in the atmosphere. And um, in between sitting down and having these wonderful chats and interviewing my grandmother and, and lazing around, which is part of the fun, I was sitting in the living area and we were all just having tea and this rather um, strange-looking man just entered, which, of course, was very unusual because I hadn't been given an introduction. 
he just appeared at the corner of the room and and then so my my instinct went into overdrive and buzz buzzes and pings and tweaks and I thought what's going on here this is rather interesting and he would just eye the table and then and then he vanished <laughs> and I remember saying uh, my, my uncle came up to me and said oh what did you think of him did you like him and I thought I don't know I didn't speak to him I have no idea another suitor turned up at a tuk-a-tuk restaurant and amid hot plates and swords cutting swathes of meat the mystery man sat down next to Hina and I thought oh hello who are you <laughs> And it was quite funny, really, because he didn't really respond. He was uh, kind of like a, a bit tongue-tied, and uh, and uh, and he—I I don't actually know who he was or why he turned up. But I have discovered afterwards that he he was another potential. And, and I just literally—I literally—I was almost playing with my family and playing a little bit of a game because I knew what they were doing, and it was terribly kind. It was terribly thoughtful because they were they were hoping to introduce me to someone and so one of my aunts said oh god what what a crazy man he was he couldn't even string a sentence together and I was like yeah I think you're right (laughs) there are a few more introductions that were all equally unsuitable Hina explained to her grandmother that she didn't want an arranged marriage she didn't have enough in common with a man from Pakistan it was literally the last day um, we were all going to be getting ready to return to the UK. And I was um, sitting in the living room and the official story was they happened to, co- to come. But who knows? I, I, I rather suspect it was another one of those meetings. And so um, uh, Cameron came around, Cam came around with his father and sat down and lively conversation started in the room about all sorts of things. And he, unlike all, all the other guys that had sort of materialised, uh, came over and sat next to me and started to talk about uh, things, ask where I was from and what I was thinking about Lahore and how I felt, um, you know, what I'd done, what I'd seen. And I asked him how things were going on. And of course, he was incredibly handsome, incredibly good looking, incredibly young. <laughs> Cam, who's been listening to this interview, is definitely preferring to hear this part of the story. And he had a f- really fabulous smile so you just felt so engaged immediately but I did notice when I was sat there my grandmother has long long dark beautiful eyes they always used to call her eyes the eyes of Horus I noticed them sliding across to to Cam and sliding across to me little bit of mischief in her face so this is where Cameron finally enters the story he doesn't believe the meeting had been set up he thinks they had just dropped over to see the family and before he knew it he was chatting to this stranger from London. And uh, when I was uh, about to leave with my father, and uh, I wish uh, she's mine. That was, uh, I think, I, I, I purely said it was a gift. And then Cam uh, then said, hey, you know, why don't, why don't we exchange email addresses and numbers? Because it'd be really good to keep in touch with you. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. And then we left to go back to... Um, well, they left, I believe, and then we left the next day to go back to the UK. And that was. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When I had a call or my mother had a call from my grandmother saying, hmm, what did you think? And at that point I was thinking, yeah, why not? Why not? Just to be clear here, Hina wasn't agreeing to just see Cam again or start some casual relationship. Essentially, this was the beginnings of agreeing to marriage, and Hina knew this. Of course, she was blown away by Cam. But why was Hina suddenly agreeing to an arranged marriage? Here was a woman who had grown up in the West, seems to like control and certainty, so she really is agreeing to something extraordinary here. I was leaving and uh, to get a bus or local transport, and I was... Uh, keep thinking about her and uh, her face was keep coming in front of me. I prayed there and then as I wish uh, she is mine because I had her email address and she got my email address and I I courage I thought should I or shouldn't and I emailed first I was uh, waiting for a few days or maybe a few weeks and uh, I thought she's not going to reply <laughs> and then uh, I had an email I got really excited. And uh, then we start planning something, you know. Let's get on to the next step. Hina remembers this stage slightly differently. I think that it was actually my grandmother and mother that first proposed the marriage, not you and I directly, because I seem to remember that. But when it was done, it was, I think, you then sort of formally made the proposal as well. I think Hina is worried that they might appear to have not followed the exact protocol for arranged marriages. Maybe she thinks I'm going to pull her up on it. But no, I don't care what the exact definition of an arranged marriage is. What is amazing about this union is that the families played their part and the sole purpose of their meeting was about getting married. After this first short introduction, the next time Hina and Cameron met, they would be legally married as that bit happened over the phone. And when they next set eyes on one another, it would be a week before their organised wedding. After that amazing meeting, I realise now that, that although I couldn't necessarily define it as, as love at first sight or a lightning strike, there was something so engaging and so charming and so refreshing about the meeting with Cam that I was prepared to challenge all my fears. I was prepared to challenge my prejudice because up until that point, everyone I had met, every hint or suggestion in Lahore that I would have an arranged marriage was, to my mind, preposterous. That was not going to happen. This was just very funny and I was being entertained by the whole process. And I think that's where something fundamental shifted. So having met Cameron for just a short time at her grandmother's house, 
she decides to agree to the Nika over the phone, which would legally marry them. And it's a very simple process where you basically say you're asked three times whether you agree to the marriage. And three times I said I did. And so technically speaking, I was married. Um, and it was over the phone. I get the impression Cam didn't falter in his conviction that this marriage was exactly right for him. But Hina needed some reassurance from her family. My father, I remember having this interesting conversation with my father and I said to him, I said, what do you think, Dad? Should I go ahead and do get married? I said, you know, do you think it's sincere? And my father said that, um, you know, you can always be assured that people may have several motives to marry and no one can ever give you a guarantee that the singular motive is that he's impassioned with you and, and you know, you are everything that he wants. But he said that on balance, his feeling was that that was the predominant motive. I had probably felt that I needed 150% certainty uh, because of experiences I'd had in my past. And I realised at that point that actually I have to be happy with about 70% because we can't dive inside the hearts and minds of others. We just have to take people on trust. I can't help thinking that there was so much unknown for Hina and Cameron. I asked Hina if she had discussed how they would bring up their children, what their shared ideals were. You can tick off every single point on a checklist and actually be in completely the wrong relationship. So my feeling at that point was I am going to literally close my eyes and step off that cliff, free fall, and see where I land. So I never really felt that I needed to discuss those sorts of things like do you want children do you want to live here do you want to it was very very much on trust leave the rest to um, the trust trusting in the fact that we never know what's around the corner so why try to have a preview of what might be there let's let's just go with it let's just throw ourselves into the water and see where we end up so the wedding went ahead having first met in april they had the nika in july and the big wedding in Pakistan was planned for the December. Their second meeting. It was actually before the wedding. It was incredibly romantic and incredibly beautiful because uh, there's something called Chandrat, which is the night of the new moon. And so it was a period of Ramadan. So people were fasting during the day. And at the end of that period, we were going to get married um, officially, but we'd already had the formal wedding ceremony. And so in that period... Um, the there was no restriction at all. He and I went out, we went uh, to restaurants, we chatted for hours and hours. We, we went quite frequently to these beautiful hotels or hotel restaurants and, um, and you know, we'd literally be doing, like, courting, effectively. But we were married, so it had, if you like, the rubber stamp <laughs> of the society, which is quite important. Um, yeah. And then we actually got married. But of course, there was no, you know, you wouldn't have a relationship at that point. That, that you know, just for a Western listener to know. You'd have a form of relationship, but you wouldn't be, you know, in the way that uh, people may be thinking. So, yeah, it would be, uh, it, was, it was still very civil. The wedding took place over several days. There was bangwa dancing and delicious food. Afterwards, they went on honeymoon to Muri in the foothills of the Himalayas. And then it was time to settle down as husband and wife. 
but where would they live? Well, I, I had I was quite established in the UK in that it wasn't as if I was just um, a, a daughter to my parents. I had, had my own property I, and I had a job um, and I was actually about to start a new job. So it was fairly obvious that at the initial stages we would definitely return. How did Cam adjust to living in the UK? It was like it was always meant to be. Um, I think one of the skills that we all lacked, the whole of our family, were social interaction skills in a in the fullest sense of the word. So we knew how to interact and how to be social, but I hadn't understood the depth of warmth that you could bring to social interactions. And I hadn't understood the connection and I think that Cam brought that to the family to because we are very family orientated people he brought friends from all around the town into our home and he made connections with people I never would have imagined we would have got to know so I, I think it was as if he was more comfortable here than we were so I think Hina is unique in the way that she has done both types of marriage and I wonder what her observations were about meeting a partner what I have noticed is that the increase of online dating and online, online introduction has a very big parallel to um, an arranged marriage in the context that I'm talking about, arranged marriage, which is a sort of introduction, a sort of clear intention from the outset, where, where you can't meet your perfect match in Sainsbury's. You may you may therefore find that people have discovered that it's not going to always happen. It, wonderful if it does, super. You couldn't ask for anything more. But if it doesn't, then it's recognising that it's an institution of tremendous value. And for that reason, um, that a mechanism that helps you find that person, like online dating, why not? I think that almost is. It's like the um, the web has become grandma. And the web is doing the introducing that grandma would have done. The web is like no grandma I have ever had. This grandma knows an awful lot of people and they aren't always very nice. And she really doesn't care who she introduces you to. But I think I know what Hina means. Perhaps the most powerful message is to not be prejudiced against any method or mechanism by which you may meet the partner that becomes your spouse. This stigma over different ways of meeting a partner is really interesting to me. Friends of mine who have met online still say it with a shy smile. There is almost an order of ideal ways to meet someone, university or at work often topping the charts, and an arranged marriage feeling like a bit of a kick in the teeth for the sisterhood. We, we often don't look to history, do we? We don't look to where we've come from in the past. And it's only been very recently that, that men and women have gained this fluidity, this ability to be very independent from families, from culture, from, um, from society. Think about Victorian times. Think about just, not, I mean, just a few decades ago, people would be introduced if not in a very formal way, there would certainly be a sort of arrangement. There would be families that are brought together for a singular purpose. There are, you know, even in, in royalty nowadays, we know that there's all sorts of introductions that happen. So I think that we almost lost our way. So we went from that environment in the West and we moved to a situation where there was no formal mechanisms and you really had to go to a club and happen upon someone or you really and you hadn't any clue about their background or their family 
and you you will otherwise have to just literally bump into someone at work or on the street. So how do we come to that and think that was the norm from a history of knowing that that's not how things ever used to work? So really, there's another way to think about things, that although arranged marriage seems unfamiliar and otherly, something... um, uh, something uh, outside of the norm in fact it's even ingrained in our his- history here Hina has experienced both sorts of marriage and she is definitely a woman who likes to be in control but she let go and allowed her choice to be limited and her family to be involved and Hina and Cam seem really happy together so I leave you with Hina's last piece of dating advice something really important that has gone slightly wrong potentially in the western world and that is that um, the sort of idea of maybe one better is around the corner I think that the problem with the idea that you might just be able to do better next year or the next online person that you meet leads to a a sort of never-ending element to the search for Mr Wright And I think that that is quite damaging because there will never be a time. It's like you can always get more money, but the point is not to just be the richest person in the universe. The point is to reach a point of satisfaction and contentment. There has to be a sort of acceptance of commitment to each other um, at the the exclusion of all others. And if you can't achieve that, then there will always be a, a, a sort of a shifty eye looking to see if there's something better around the corner. Our thanks to Hina and Cam. So, what did you think? Would you like your parents to arrange a marriage for you? Do you think there's too much choice out there or too little? Please get in touch and hopefully we can feature your comments in Backchat, released this Friday when we'll be interviewing Dr Mark Coulson, who featured on the TV show Married at First Sight. We'll be talking more then about dating and relationships. Do get in touch. We are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at The Backstory Pod on Twitter. Join us on Tuesday the 5th of December for Episode 7, What Are the Chances?, We'll find out what happened when Emma and Zoe met under pretty unusual circumstances. See you then. Don't forget our featured That's When You Get a Dog podcast. We recommend you have a listen. Check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.